Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. Take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I like your enthusiasm. Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, we'll read uh, two verses, 20 and 21. Foundational scriptures that we shared last week. And uh, says this. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. That's good. To him be the glory and the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's good. Let's read. I'm going to read that verse 20 in the NIV. It says this. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Immeasurably more. Tell your neighbor, let's say he's able to do more. He is able to do more. I mean, matter of fact, that is his will. Uh, if, I, I believe this. If he did nothing else for me, what he did on the cross was enough. That was it. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful. If he gave me a home in heaven one day, that's enough. That's a reason to celebrate. That's, if he did nothing else, if we were all, I mean, just in every way had nothing else, that would be a reason enough to come in here, jump, shout, lift hands, praise, worship, go around, give the news, everybody we see. Just that. Just that. That's enough. That's enough. But I believe when I read this book, I believe he wants to do more. Crickets. I heard crickets. Uh, he, 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 he wants to do more. So you got to get to a place in faith where you believe for that and you ask him for that. So let's pray and ask him right now. God, in the name of Jesus, the name above every name, Lord, we thank you. We come to you and we praise you, Lord, so much in our hearts and lives to thank you for God. Thank you for breath. Thank you for life. Thank you, Lord, for giving your son on, to, for us, Lord, that we may have life today, God. And I just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this church. We celebrate it. Lord, we give you thanks for it, God. But Lord, we believe there's more you want to do, Lord. And we believe you want more of us. And Lord, we want more of you. We want so much more of you, Lord. We want everything that you have available, God. Everything that's, that's in the book, we ask for, Lord. Everything that you have, God, we ask and believe and trust you, God. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done. But we ask you for more in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tell you number one more time, he's able to do more. You got to get in a place where you begin to just trust that and believe and get, get in a place of faith for those things. Uh, if you get in your mind that just what you have is all there is, what you got is probably all there will be. Do you hear that? And so you have to do this. You have to start trusting God for more and believing. And again, I, I, we just never wait. Just think the cross was not enough. What happened on, on that day when Jesus gave his life was it not enough for us? That was more than enough. That was, that was so much. But the great salvation is more than just a ticket out of hell into heaven. The soteria of God, the salvation of God brings more blessings. It brings things that we have yet to experience. And it brings things that God has, again, in excess for us. So I want more. I want everything that he's got. And so I was just, again, I've been praying this week and asking God just for the word that he would have us here today. And, and just, again, certain little things pop in my mind. And I, I begin to think about this movie called The Sandlot. 
Raise your hand if you know that the movie, the how much of good movie people watch, watch your people. That's good. That's good stuff. But there was a classic, great scene in the movie, man. It, it should just go down in history. It's one of the greatest scenes of all time. When Ham looks across the fire and he looks at Smalls and he said, you want to s'more? <laughs> Smalls and his ignorance and his lack of yet to uh, experience s'more. He, is, he was a little bit sheltered. He was a little bit deprived. He hasn't yet to encounter s'more. He looks, at, he looks at Ham and he says, s'more what? And then the classic line, man, say with me, you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. You're killing me. There's, there's more. And he begins to go through the process of what it takes to make a great s'more. And what, he, but what he's trying to do is get him to encounter s'more. Listen to me. Some of you are not asking for s'more because you haven't experienced him yet in his fullness. Oh, that's good. I, I felt that. The Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. And so if you ever get a taste of him, you're going to want some more, man. You're going to keep wanting some more of it. You're going to keep start pursuing him. And some of you are doing this. You've tasted of the world, and you think that's the best there is, so you're craving that, and you're going after that thing, and you're going after But listen to me. There's some more God out there, man. He wants to pour his life into you. He wants to pour his spirit into you. He wants you to encounter him in great measure. He wants you to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. He wants you to raise the dead. He wants you to cast out devils. There's things in this book that God would have us do, but it'll only happen when we say, God, I want more. I want more. I'm not satisfied where I'm at. I'm thankful in every way. I, I trust you and I'm thankful, but God, there's more. So we just keep asking for it. We keep doing it because here's the truth. He's wanting to do more in your life. He's wanting to do more in this church. There are things that we haven't seen yet. I want it. Oh, man. There's things that are yet to happen. I want it. But there are things that are happening right now, and there are things that he wants to do in this moment and in this time if we'll get our eyes on him, if we'll trust him. So, so there was, again, building faith, trusting God, but also understanding what we should do to get more in our life. We begin to look at some of the principles in God's book. Last week we did this. We talked about leaving your past behind. All right, leaving the past behind, leaving that behind you, moving on forward to what God has for you and, and, and just not allowing that any longer to control your life. Because there's a lot of folks in this room who have had some very difficult things happen in their life. There are people that are here who have went through situations that, that, were, that were just not good. Was it fair what you've been through? But at some point in your life, you have to come to the place and say, I'm no longer longer going to let my history affect my destiny. I'm no longer going to let what I went through stop me from where he wants to take me to. And you begin to press into those things and trust God for it. And I see how this works on both hands. I see the history, the past, keep people from going into more when it's been good or bad. You see it. If somebody's encountered something that was good, they tasted the, the, the love of God, and they experienced him in one way, and you see this in situations throughout church history. Somebody experiences God, and then they live off the past experience. They live off that. They celebrate it. And they come together and they just talk about it again. Oh, I'm thankful for what he did 200 years ago. But we're wanting more of God. We're trusting him because he says this. He said that we should ask for God to give us daily bread. Daily. There is something that God wants to do every day in your life. 
Come on, just that right there. Let that get in you. There is something that God wants, you, wants to do in your life every day. In the Old Testament, it's a great story where the children of Israel had come out of bondage. It was going through the wilderness, going to their promise. And along the way, they got hungry and asked God to help them with food. And so he sent down something called manna from heaven. But what he would do is every morning that they would go to, every night they'd go to sleep, wake up in the morning, and the manna would appear on the, on the, on the ground out in front of them. And they had to go out that day, every day, and collect it. If they left it, it would rot. Only time once a week could they store up enough for just the next day on the Sabbath. So, but every day they had to do this. They had to go out there every day and get what God provided. I want you getting the mindset that you're getting up every morning, man. Say, I'm going to get my manna today. I'm going to go get my word today. I'm going to go get my provision today. I'm going to get what God has for me today. Listen to me. Whether it was good or bad, you can't live off the past. He wants to do something today in you. And I'm telling you, just coming to the realization when you get to that place where you just start trusting God, that I want, you want to do something in my life. You know something, Monday, man, I tell you, this is what I see it. It happens, man, with all the social media. People are pumped up, jacked up on Sunday, man, giving God some glory, giving him some praise. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our life. And then, oh, man, it's Monday the next day. And everything just falls apart. Listen to me. You know something, he wants to bless you on Monday. A couple of you will get blessed tomorrow. He wants to bless you on Monday. He's got daily bread for you on Monday. He's got provision for you on Monday. And it ain't just coffee. He's got more than that. He's got something that he wants to give you. So you get up and you begin to do it. But you got to do this. You have to learn how to seize the moment. You have to. In this quest for more, in this quest for what God has for us as we look into the future and look at what he has, you have to come to the place to where you do this. You start seizing those right now moments in your life. Some of you, and this is not a beat down, this is just truth. Some of you miss what God had for you a few moments ago. Some of you, he, he, he did. He walked in the room. He, again, we see it, tried to cast a picture of that best we could when Jesus came into the town riding on that donkey, but they were thinking he was going to come on this white horse with, with chairs and blades. That's, that's coming. Side note, that's going to happen. Next time we see him, it's going to be a whole lot different than he came the first time. But it didn't happen the way the first time, so they missed it. They missed it. They missed that moment when Jesus was coming through town. So many of them missed Jesus. You have to learn when he comes in the room, seize the moment. Grab hold of it. Galatians 2.20, beautiful scripture, says this. He says that I have been crucified with Christ. I'm like, hold on, that's beautiful? Being cru- yes, it's cru- because this is what happens. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, he says on here, he says, this life that I now live. There's a, there's a whole lot going on in this. I mean, that, first of all, just Christ living in you is just awesome. If you're here, and right now you're listening, and he's not living in you, he wants to. You know, that's his, that's his desire. He wants so much for you to encounter more of him, him to, for you to receive more of him, and him to have more of you. That, that change happens. You were made for more. You were designed for that relationship. But right now, if that's not happening, today, this is when it should happen for you in this place seizing the moment, surrendering to what God has and grabbing hold of it because Christ can live in you. He can live in your life. 
Bob? Was it Bob, the homeless gentleman that the Pastor Chris prayed for? You know something today? Listen, it doesn't matter where he's living. It matters who's living now in him. It doesn't matter where he's been. Right now, the, the hope of God, the same spirit, raised Christ from the dead, now lives in Bob. And is inside of him today. The hope of glory is living in him. And it says this. He says, the life which I now live, the life which I now live. This is huge. Because I, I grew up in church, man, my whole life. And I heard pastors that for so long would say, oh, revival's coming. Come on, the Spirit of God's coming. And they would get up and preach some powerful, great messages and, and really just challenge the people to, to just grab hold of what's coming. But I want us as a church to start grabbing hold of what's right now. Come on, it, it, what we do in these moments when the Spirit of God is here, what we do every day of our life will hinge and, and be the deciding factor of what we get tomorrow. So this is huge. And so this word now, everything, again, your understanding hinges on this one word. And, and I love it. And I know a lot of times I'd impress you guys with, with my, my understanding of the Greek language. And my understanding of the Hebrew uh, day, and I, I, I love to just, just reveal, you know, how smart I am sometimes. This is one of the words that is powerful that we need to get. This word now is the word noon in the Greek, and it means this. It means now. That's it, man. I mean, it's just, it, it means now. And so it means that right now we seize it. Right now we grab hold of it. Right now we do this. And I don't know why we sometimes struggle with this. I, I do believe there's a group rising in the church that want it right now. I'm sensing it. I'm, I'm just, I'm, that's a stirring that's happening in my heart. But, but, you know, everything else we want right now, come on, who wants their, their, their food heated up and warmed up now? Mike and I were, were getting ready to eat a, a, a bourbon burger, man, deer cooked in glory. And I mean, just, and, and so we had someone that had been in the fridge and he had put them in the microwave and, and he was warming them up. And, and just think about this for a second. It's a microwave. I mean, there's radioactive stuff shooting toward the food we're getting ready to eat and zapping that stuff, and it's getting fired up. And, I mean, and we can't wait one minute on something sometimes. I mean, I remember so I'm just sitting there, man, in a the camper, man, just, just like, oh, man, I'm getting ready to bust me up some burger, man. I'm getting jacked up. I'm getting this. I couldn't wait a minute. Our popcorn now? Some of y'all older folks, uh, y'all can get ready to connect with what I'm getting ready to say. These young people don't even understand what I'm getting ready to say. We used to take popcorn and put it in a pot. Thank you, Jesus. And, and, and was sitting on the stove and put oil and put the kernels in there. And then we would put the top on them. We would just begin to shake it. And, I mean, we would shake it. And we would get ready. But, but now, listen to We just have come to where now we can't wait a minute and 25 seconds on a bag of popcorn. Seriously, some of y'all get mad because it's a commercial. You've ran to the microwave. You're trying to get it in before it comes back and the show comes back on because some of y'all is too cheap to buy DVRs like me. <laughs> some of y'all just like that. You ain't bought one. You ain't renting one of them things. I ain't paying that every month. But, but so you having this hurry and this thing's going on within you and you go. But listen, I don't know why we do this. We want everything else right now, but so many times the enemy comes in, gets in our minds, and causes us to miss what God has right now. Oh, man. Right now. Oh, 
Oh, man, I, I'm telling you, God, God's raising up a group in this church who want it right now. He's raising up a group of people who, who I, I feel saying, God, I want more of you. I want more of you, and here's more of me. Take it. Take everything, whatever it is. I just give it over to you. I surrender it over to you. And the world calls that crazy. It makes no sense to the world. You coming in here on a Sunday morning, getting out of a bed, coming through the cold weather, coming in here, hearing this, taking your time. It makes no sense. And if you did this a little while ago when we, when we received the offering, if you put money in there, you tithed and gave to God, the world calls you crazy. He calls you nuts. It makes no sense. It makes no sense when you go out and start telling people about this Jesus and you go share this truth. It makes no sense. But listen to me. I want more. I want it. I want all that he has. And so I want us to do this. Take your Bible and turn me to John chapter 21. I was, I tell you, last week I was preaching, man, I was sharing this word, and this story came to mind, and I, I referenced it. But, man, he had been just this week, I'll tell you, ever since then, has, I've, this story, I've just, I've just read over it and looked at this thing and just prayed about it and just... Just, oh man, I think it is a picture today of what I believe God is wanting to say to us. John chapter 21, verse 1. This is where Jesus came, did this for us, got on the cross, gave his life for us, for our sins, surrendered everything, died. On the third day, arose from the grave, come on, is alive today, alive forevermore. And there's one guy that's going to do this. He's going to step out of heaven and, and receive us and call himself to us and then come down from heaven, build a new heaven, new earth, and it's going to all come down. I mean, what an incredible time. This had just taken place. Jesus had just died, gave his life, and he came back and he had done this. He had appeared to them a couple of times, and I, I had never really thought about this, and last week it didn't hit me. This is, if you read the story here, this is the third time since Jesus had been resurrected that he appeared to them. So something's going on here. You see this situation where Jesus appears to his disciples, reveals himself to him to let them know, confirm what I told you, I did. What I said would happen took place exactly like I said it would happen. And he just began to reveal himself. And now they used to walk with him daily. The dust of him getting on them as they followed him every step. As they walk behind him, watching Jesus do this, open up eyes, open up ears, calling people up and healing the sick, casting out devils. They watched these things take place. They saw it happen. And then, listen, he was gone. And then at these moments, he was just revealing himself. And again, this was the third time. And, and, it's, and it's just an interesting story. We see that John and, and the disciples of Peter, all these guys decided to go forth and get in a boat, go fishing. Now, let's look at it. Verse 1. It says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Nothing wrong with fishing. All right, there's just... That's a blessing from God. That's, a, that's one of God's greatest gifts he gives to mankind is just to be able to fish. But, but listen, there's, there's a reason why I believe he went back. And it says this, they said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? 
That's going to be a big question we'll see in a second. Have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast a net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Man, I love Revelation, man. He is the revelator, man. He revealed to him. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. And the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw fires of coal there and fish laid on it and bread. Now, I want us to hear, I, want us, I just want to get something out of this. In the story, again, Jesus had, again, for literally day after day for three years, they had followed him and got to experience the physical manifestation of God. I mean, do you understand this? I mean, this is incredible. This is to, to walk with him every day, the physical manifestation. Thankfully, because of the Holy Spirit, we can walk with him every day. But listen to me, they were in a place of transition and they were struggling. The one who, again, they had watched do all the miracles was now gone. The now the one they had watched was now just at certain times popping in. And they got into a place, they got in this transition period, and this is what happens so many times. They wanted to just go back to what they knew and what they understood and what was just normal for them. You got to understand, this was a normal life. These guys were fishermen. These guys were in a place to where they did this stuff every day. They lived their life this way until Jesus came up one day and said, follow me. He spoke those two words, and they dropped it, and they left everything, and they went on this journey, and they they went on this incredible experience where they got to walk with Jesus and watch him do all of these amazing things. But this is what happens so many times. When what we're used to changes, when what we're comfortable with no longer now is happening, what we're used to in a certain way shifts, so many times we go back to normal. So many times we go back to what's comfortable, but you've got to understand what was going on here. Jesus was wanting Peter to go forth and do what he had just got through doing. Let, let this sit for a second. He, he watched him open up eyes. He watched the miracles. But do you understand that there, there came a day when Peter's shadow fell on people and they got up? <laughs> walking into the, to the temple one day, in the gate, lame man, sitting there begging. He said, I, I don't have a lot of money to give to you, but I got something else. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Listen to me. There was miracle after miracle after miracle that God had that Peter was going to do, but he almost missed it because he wanted to go back to what was comfortable. He wanted to go back what was normal. And so you have to do it. In these moments, you have to grab hold of the, the, and, and trust, even when it's not happening like you want it to happen. We've talked about this at our last men's meeting. And now it's like, God, God sorry, give me a revelation after that. It's like, listen to me, when it's not taking place the way you want it to happen, it doesn't mean he's not there. 
It doesn't mean he's not with you. He may be getting you ready to, to literally through you change the world. He may be getting you primed up and repped up because one day these guys stepped out and people looked at them and looked at the disciples and said, man, who are these jokers? And they said, man, that is the one who has turned the world upside down because of the gospel. Now listen to me. There's more. There's more. There's more that he wants to do, not just through me. He does, it is not, I, I mean, telling you, I love, man, what God's doing. I'm thankful to be a pastor. Listen to me, but a lot of times we come to church, look on the stage and listen and say, man, I hope he keeps bringing truth. But listen to me, he wants to do it through you. I'm, I'm, I'm praying, man, and I'm believing and I'm trusting God. And I'm, I'm so thankful that, man, we're going to see more miracles outside of our walls than we've ever seen here. And listen to me, we've seen some stuff here. We've seen God do some things in this church, and he's not through here. Now, there's going to be folks that's going to come in and get saved and healed, set free, get up out of wheelchair. There's stuff that man, God's going to do in this church, but listen to me. He wants to do it in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your school, young people. He wants to do the miraculous through you, through you. Give him praise. Don't patty cake, man. Give him praise. Through you. Through you, and you got to start doing this. You got to start saying, God, I'm believing you for more. I'm trusting you for more. What if it don't happen right now? Listen to me. He, if he'd have stayed in the boat, if Peter would have stayed in the boat, I love that dude, man. He would just get out of a boat and start walking on water, man, to drop of a hat when he heard Jesus. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I love, people knock him down, man, for denying him and all that kind of stuff. How many times have we denied him? Oh, come on. How many times have we missed that? But I love it. Anytime he heard the voice of God, he got in a boat, man, and went after him. And I want us that every time we hear his voice, we just stop and we pursue him and go after him. And Jesus did something. He said something that was just so profound. Oh, man. He asked him the question. He said, have you any food? And it, I don't know, it just, for us, if we hadn't had that prior experience, and this is, this is why the prior experiences are, are so important, and we trust those and thank God for those, but what he wants to continue to do is greater, is more. Because there was a time when they heard that before. I, I want you to do this. Stay in John, and we've got to stay in the book to get this. Go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Oh, man. You love God's Word? L- look at this. John chapter 4. Go to 27. One of the coolest men, there's so many cool stories in the Bible. Jesus meets this woman at the well. They have this, this, this uh, just basically a conversation about worship. He begins to reveal things. And anytime you have a conversation with God, he reveals things about you. He'll do that. Allow him to. Anytime you have a conversation with God, he will begin to show you things about yourself. And he did that with this, this, this lady. And, but he put something inside of her that day, the, the word of God, he changed her in this this woman of the world, man, and different labels have been placed on her. She went out and became the first missionary and the first evangelist and began to preach the good news and started saying, come see a man and, and, and who would change everything. But look at what happened here. In verse 27, you see the story taking place. Jesus had had, had this relationship of communication, time of, of exchange with her. And verse 27 says this, at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? 
Verse 30 says, Then he went out of the city and came to him, and in the meantime his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know. Oh, man. Verse 33, Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? You got to think, man. Again, they had been walking, and they had been going, and they were just literally were worn down. They went into town. Jesus was hanging out, man, doing Jesus stuff, man, you know, sharing himself and just preaching, teaching good news, changing lives. They come back, and they said, man, you got to be hungry. You need to eat. And he says, wait a minute, I've, I've been eating. I've, I got food, man. I got something that's happening here that you can't even connect with yet. Just get ready. More's coming. But he says, he says, there's stuff that you don't even know. And verse 35 says this. Do not say that there are still four months. Verse, what, verse 33. He says, I have food to eat that you know not know of. And verse 33. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to finish the work. This is heavy. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. He pulls up on the shoreline. These jokers out on a boat. And he says, have you any food? I don't think he's talking about lunch. I don't think he's talking about snack time. I don't think he's talking about number three as you drive through the drive-thru, hold the pickle. I, I, I don't think that's what this is here. There's more to it. He's saying, have you any food? I think he's asking them, how's your will working out for you? <laughs> have you ha, how's, how's, this, how's, this, how's this situation? How are doing things your way? How are jumping in your boat, going off when things get tough, running away, running away from what I want to do in your life, running away from the, the miracles that I could do in you and through you, for you? How's running away working out? How's the will of you working out for you? some point, he, and this is what he's doing today, and I, this is a question that needs to be asked. Have you any food? How's the will of, working out for, of your life working out for you? But listen to me. Here's a promise. The will of God. The promises that he has in here for you are so much greater. What he has for you are so much more powerful. What he has, because again, and we see in verse 9, this is what happens. Listen, he wasn't even out there. It wasn't so much about the fish. Because look at this. Go back to 21, verse 9, Tim, if you would. (laughs) This is awesome. He says, they they come to the shore. Peter plunges, man, jumps in there. They dragging a little boat in, come back in. And verse 9 says this. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coal there and fish laid on it and bread. Now now listen, hold on. Jesus coming out, asking the question, how's your will working out? Have you any food? What's taking place? How's that going for you? And, 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 and then all of a sudden, this, this crazy thing happens, and they get this revelation of, man, it's Jesus jumping off the boat, coming in. And, man, they having this miracle again of fish. They get off, and they come in, and then they look, and wait a minute. They already have fish. 
He already had everything laid out for them. He had this table, man, set up. He had it laid out. And there's somebody eating outdoors, man. They just, there's something about that just does something to you. And just imagine Jesus, you coming onto the shoreline, stepping up to his table, and it said they already had fish. Now, listen to me. There was nothing wrong with fish. Nothing. And here's, here's what we've got to get. There was really nothing even wrong with them fishing. The problem was this, and this is what made the difference between them being in the boat with fish and being on the shore with fish. The difference was this, his presence. Everything changed because of the one who they had it with. Because of the one that they came up and sat down with, everything hinges and changes. And when we're singing that song, man, here in your presence, again, it's those moments you've got to seize. Here in your presence, things are changed, man. Things are made new. The miracles take place. It's in those moments when he's here, it's in his presence. Because Psalms 16 says this, that you will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Listen to me. Nothing wrong with you doing life. And I I think this is so important. Nothing wrong with you going out and doing everyday life and living it. But listen to me. There's a big difference in doing life alone than doing life in his presence. Because it's in his presence, man, there's fullness. It's in his presence, there's more, there's pleasures, there's all these things that God has for you, and it's in that place. Because here's the good news, man. If you're a believer today, Jesus is inside of you. Listen, oh, man, I love it. You're, you're a part of a family, and it's more than just a family here on this earth, and it's more than just even a church family. And, and, but it is just so much greater than that. He tells us in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained the mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Hold on, man. Have we obtained it or not? He's saying, yeah, I've obtained it, but yeah, there's more. Yeah, there's more coming. There's more taking place. There's so much more he has. Oh, but this is, the, this is the pull in our life. And listen to me. That's why some of you right now are miserable. You're miserable right now. Because when you are a part of a family and you have royal blood in you, listen to me, you're not going to be satisfied doing anything else. You're not going to be satisfied until you're walking out the will of the Father. And I, 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 just, I thought about the royal family. And, man, I don't know what America's fascination is with these juggers, but, dude, they just, I mean, we do, it's, uh, just goes crazy. I mean, I it got nothing to do with us, you know, but people just go nuts with the royal family, and, and they having a baby. I mean, that's, that's fine. That's a celebration. They get married, and everybody stops and comes and watches. The world just stands still, and, that, and that's cool. But Harry and William, that the dude's name, but Harry and William, and they, they, these guys. It was, it was so funny. I heard something, and, and it, it was it was just one of them things where just you know just kind of goes off of you. They made this statement. I just want to be normal. I just like to be normal. I would just I have a horrible English accent. Is that English or is that Australian? I didn't know what that was. I, I, I just, I just, I, you just think that. I just, I just, oh, I had a cup of tea. I just want to be. Mm. 
I just... Oh, jolly old church. Y'all stop it. Just want to be normal. You've got William begging and, and just trying to be. So he's done this. He's gone out and he's had the wife. And he's gone out and he's had the baby. And for long, he's probably going to have a picket fence, man. I mean, he's, he's, he's grabbed hold of the dream. And he thinks that's where fulfillment comes. Listen, listen, those things are awesome. Those things are incredible. But you can't be normal if you've got royal blood in you. He can't escape it. He can't run from it. And then you've got the other, the Harry, man, idiot. He's running out and just, I mean, living it. I mean, you seeing him coming up on the Enquirer and all these news and all this stuff happening in his life because he's so much trying to run from it. And here's the pull in our life. When you have royal blood flowing through your veins, you have the temptation to do usually one or two things. Totally run and go crazy or, or, or look at that person and say they're crazy, but still just settle for normal when God's calling you for more. He's calling you for more. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. 